Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and just a reminder of the mission statement for the podcast, we are a podcast dedicated to educating and empowering you, the listener, to raise inclusive kids. Just wanted to put that out there. We're going to start saying that at the beginning of the episodes, as I remember to. But welcome to another episode. I'm very excited for you to be here. Uh, On today's episode, I speak to Kevin Hancock, who is an award-winning author, speaker, and CEO. Uh, He is the CEO of Hancock Lumber Company. He's the sixth generation in his family to run the company. It's been around since 1848. And he's recently written a book called The Seventh Power. Um, And The Seventh Power, we get into that discussion about what is The Seventh Power. And it's a really unique, individualistic, holistic state of being and a way to look at leadership as dispersed leadership and unlocking your true individual potential. So Kevin and I get into a really great discussion about how a a condition, a voice condition, caused him to go from singular leadership to dispersed leadership. And this is a heads up at the top of the show that Kevin has a rare neurological condition called spasmodic dysphonia, uh, which means that the uh, muscle, it's a neurological condition where the muscles in his throat constrict when he talks. So you'll hear that as we get going through the episode. But even though Kevin now has a more difficult time speaking than he previously did, his voice and his impact has increased exponentially. And we get into that and we get into uh, drawing the comparison between when this happened to him in 2010 and how he had to change the structure of his company through what we're now seeing with companies um, navigating these uncertain times over the last several months, COVID-19 and everything, and thinking about new ways in which to have leadership in the company and disperse those ideas uh, to really get the best that you can out of your Uh, employees. So it's a really, really great conversation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I did want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Snuffy. That is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. And the owner and operator of the company is Nick Silvestri, a dear, dear friend. He designed the new Detox logos, both, both the regular one and the Pride Month edition. So if you like his work, you like what you're seeing, go online to snuffy.co, support him, I guarantee you it will be worth it, and uh, you're supporting a great cause. So I've been talking enough. I think that's enough notes for today. Uh, Stick around. I'll be right back with Kevin after this. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Mr. Kevin Hancock. Kevin, how are you doing today? Joe, I'm great. I'm really happy to be with you. Thanks for having me. 
You're welcome. I'm really excited to get into your story today. And we're going to be talking about your book, The Seventh Power, uh, One CEO's Journey into the Business of Shared Leadership. It's a great book. Um, of course, we're going to link to it in the show notes as well. Um, but one thing, and there's there's a lot of interesting ways uh, to go because your story is so fascinating. Um, and I think it's really relevant to um, to the new ways in which we find ourselves working even today amidst the new um, remote ways of working. Businesses are thinking about how to restructure, um, what is going to be the next move forward. So there's a lot of directions we're going to go in. But first thing I want to ask you, um, that I like to ask uh, people who, who come on the show is what do you think makes uh, a good parent? That's such a great question. I think it's a... Uh, mix of elements. I don't think it's any one thing, but I would say probably the biggest things are to keep showing up, to keep resetting and being patient, and to try to bring unconditional love with you along the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to your point, it is a ton of different things. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it is definitely showing up, giving that unconditional love, because that's, you know, we're trying to lay the foundation for our kids' lives uh, day after day. And I think the one constant needs to be that element of love. And then you can build from there up and up and up, definitely. So now I would love to get into... So I think one of the things that is so interesting, um, and I just this this you're d we're gonna dive right into your to your story as well as being a, so right off the top I do want to talk about the fact that it's so crazy that you are the CEO of Hancock Lumber, which is the one of the oldest businesses. You know, it was established in 1848. That is incredible to still be around. I mean, yeah, just, no, it's crazy. pretty crazy. So before the uh, first cannonball was fired in the Civil War, our company was in business up here in Maine, and we've been uh, doing pretty much the same thing, uh, led by the same family uninterrupted ever since. I'm part of the sixth generation of my family to, to work for the company. That's awesome. And I love that historical legacy being able to continue over and over again. And and I know that by being the sixth generation uh, be, of your family to run the company and being the CEO, you know, it can, I think in, when we think about traditional business leadership styles, you know, we want someone that knows what they want, goes after it, um, and can really steer the ship, um, both verbally and, uh, and everything else that they're doing. And, you know, you, you, as I understand it, had that type of strong, um, personality and leadership skills and walk us through kind of how that shifted into, uh, where you are at today. Yeah. So in, uh, 2010 at the peak of the national housing and mortgage market collapse, which was a very, very difficult time for our industry and our company. 
I uh, began to have trouble speaking, something I'd always taken for granted and as a CEO done a lot of. Really, if you think about it, as a CEO, your tool is your voice. And suddenly when I went to talk, uh, I my all the muscles in my throat would spasm and squeeze and contract and Turned out I acquired a rare neurological voice disorder called spasmodic dysphonia, or SD for short, which very quickly, among other things, changed uh, the way I thought about leadership. I had to figure out how I was going to lead without doing a lot of talking, which was kind of the opposite of how I'd always thought about leadership. Yeah, it's, you know, I think that gives you unique opportunities when you have to rely on the ideas and the voices of others to really carry the company forward. You know, and I think you're seeing a lot of that now, I think because we're in such unprecedented times and to, to your point, you know, so I want to kind of draw a comparison here in that, you know, 2010, you're talking about the peak of the housing crisis and everything happening with the market and losing your voice and not being able to have that, that presence and having to recalibrate how to carry the company forward. And so, and to that point now we're seeing COVID-19, we're seeing new ways of working, we're seeing people scrambling, trying to figure out what is the best way that makes sense and, and really giving the opportunity, which I think you, you know, in both cases, it was kind of thrust upon yourself and in this situation, other CEOs to, uh, to be like, look, uh, if you've got a great idea, what do you think we should do? Let's talk through this. Let's everybody bring your ideas to the table. Right. So it kind of fosters that environment of let's share, let's idea share at this point. Yeah, totally. So what happened me initially with my voice as I uh, quickly developed strategies to talk less. And my favorite strategy at work was to answer a question with a question. So someone would come up to me because I was the CEO or the quote unquote boss with a question or a problem. And I started simply saying, gee, that is a good question. What do you think we should do about it? Now, initially, I was just doing this to put the conversation back on the other person. But after playing this out hundreds of times over months, something really struck me, Joe, that um, changed the way I thought about leadership dramatically. And it was this. People actually already knew what to do. They actually already knew what to do. They didn't need a top-down, CEO-centric directive or solution. They just needed the confidence and the safety to trust their own voice and their own leadership skills. And that's when it hit me that perhaps the partial loss of my own voice was an invitation to strengthen the voices of others. Mm. And that's how I got really into the ideas of shared leadership, dispersed power, and 
creating a work culture where everybody felt heard. Now, to your point, fast forward to today in the age of COVID-19, who has to lead for a company, a community, a country, or a planet to defeat this virus? The answer is everybody. The virus moves one person at a time. And to back up even one step, uh, if you start looking at, at the largest kind of social human challenges of the 21st century, say um, environmental health, global warming, the virus, whatever the uh, racism, whatever the case might be, and you say, who has to help lead change that? It's everybody. This is a common theme of the Aquarian age. The age of uh, a few people at the top of the bureaucracy fixing everything for everybody is over. We're in an age of dispersed power, but we need more leaders of organizations to recognize that this change is upon us and to reinvent the way they think about leadership. Leadership today is about pushing power out, not pulling it in. It's about giving other people a voice, not using your own. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's so true in that you find, you find the ways... Oh, I'm trying to remember the i forget exactly where i heard it but it, i'm going to paraphrase it but it's essentially that the best leaders are the ones who are um dispersing the leadership responsibilities and tasks and everything to their team around them because they've they've built such a team that is so empowered to take their own ideas forward that they're going to drive the company forward or the project forward or whatever it is and I think one thing that I'm noticing just even in my company and, and I'm sure others as well is that I don't think I've ever seen um, my leadership so attentive to people's ideas. It, they're very willing to listen, very willing to try. And I mean, I, I you know, it, there's things about um, associates needing more resources or more access to different um, benefits or whatever it was early on when we're in the, the work from home mode. And it's like, boom, instantly, like next week or next day, it was in effect. And it was, I mean, it was that type of finger on the pulse leadership that I think was always there, but is really amped up in this time because it was like, th they were sending the message. I say all that to say, that was my sign that they were signaling to everyone that worked at the company. We are listening to you. We are dispersing leadership out. We want you to lead. We want you to drive it forward, the business forward, and we want you to tell us what you need to be successful because we're going to crash and burn or thrive based on you. So right, that's so powerful. It not to flip this around because I'm not supposed to be interviewing you, <laughs> but that was so powerful. How did that make you feel? It made me feel. Um, not only valued, but heard and empowered to start speaking up. I mean, there are so many times where I have ideas for projects or for certain types of work or whatever. And historically, I've thought, well, these ideas aren't going to go anywhere. I get jaded after a while of like, you know, 
scheduling a meeting with someone or typing up an email or presenting a deck or whatever, and then it going nowhere. And then what I found has been people reticent to listen to the point where I have been able to have very key meetings um, that wouldn't normally have been taken or emails responded to or whatever and ideas implemented or partial ideas, you know, ideas paired with other ideas. And that made me feel um, a sense of not only individual empowerment, but just overall, um, it, it made me feel valued as an individual. And then in return, I feel the sense of loyalty to the company that's strengthened based off of that. So I think it, that's what the company gets out of it, you know, and that's what I get out of it. It's a, it's a two-way street in that way. Yeah. So that's exactly what my book's about. And you hit there my favorite question for humanity, which is simply this. What if everybody on earth felt trusted, respected, valued, and heard? Mm -hmm. What might change? I think everything could change. I think that is the one question that could transform almost everything about the way humanity functions for the better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what's so key is by, I mean, and that's what, that's what this podcast is all about is educating listener. I'm all about education and empowerment. That's my mission statement. I want to educate people and then empower them to go and change the world, you know, in, in broad strokes. And so I, I, so that's why I enjoy these types of conversations because I do feel that if everyone, because, you know, and I, and I base that off of three ideas um, or three points that people want to be heard. um, They want to be empathized with. Um, and they want to feel that they're valued, you know? So if you listen to someone, you hear them out, you understand where they're coming from, you can relate to them. And then, um, you give, you may allow them to feel that value. Then they feel a sense of loyalty to you. They appreciate you. And then they're with you or they feel like they can go and change the world. Um, and yeah, if people do feel that trust and respect, it's going to go a long way. And I want to talk about, you know, I want to use this as a good point to segue into your book, The Seventh Power, because as I recall, The Seventh Power is uh, the Sioux way to honor the individual human spirit, correct? That is correct. I've spent um, a lot of time on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, and the quick connection there is there I encountered an entire community that felt that it wasn't fully heard, that felt like their voice had been pushed to the side or marginalized. But the seventh power is a uh, is an idea that comes out of their sacred symbol, the medicine wheel. So the Sioux medicine wheel honors uh, six external powers, the west, north, east, south, sky, and mother earth. But at the center of the wheel, at the very axis, uh, those who know the old ways of the Sioux will tell you that a seventh power exists. And that seventh power is you. It's me. It's the individual human spirit. 
Sue believe that everything that exists is related and interconnected. So if anything is sacred, everything is sacred. And to the degree there is a um, secret sauce or sacred spirit behind all that is, this means that a piece of it is you, within you. That the sacred lives within you, and the individual human spirit is a powerful, um, sacred source. And the idea of that and, and my book and my work post my voice condition is to really uh, reignite that seventh power that dwells within us all and flip the script from organizations being um, self-centered. The, the idea is the individual is sacrificable to serve uh, the mothership and flip that around and really say, look, the company only exists to be valuable for the people that use it, the people that work there. That is the purpose of the company. And as you said so well earlier, Joe, if a company focuses with sincerity on the well-being of the people who work there, those people will in turn take amazing care of their company. So the company's performance actually improves, but it's now the outcome of a higher calling. It's not the purpose, it's an outcome of a higher calling. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's so true in that I feel this, it's very spirit, um, very spiritual, the, this understanding that, that sacred is in you. Right. And, and, and what I love is the feeling that we're all connected in the sense that we're all here on mother earth, right. To use that, um, the phraseology and we're all in this collective experience together and it is up to us to uh, understand that and to uh, enhance our experience by um, both empowering ourselves to be the fullest version the most authentic version of ourselves and then to also foster an environment where other people can feel that same uh, empowerment to be their full selves. And I think when you see environments where that is thriving, whether it's at work or local communities or schools, I mean, a wide variety of stuff, that's where you're starting to see radical change enacted. And radical change can look like a, you know, a, a community garden, right? Or it can look like um, uh, free groceries for, for people who can't afford them. It can look like a lot of things. Um, but I think when you see a group of people come together and recognize that and start implementing that, that's where you start to see the positive outcomes to your point. That's so true. And it really, that really reinforces this perspective that you, you change the world one human at a time. Yes. And so, so then you think about, okay, where are the platforms where adults can self-actualize, come into their own voice, get affirmation, get 
power, be heard, be trusted, respected. The place of work is actually where this has to happen, not because it will improve business performance, it will, but that's secondary, but because so many adults work. So in America, something like 160 million people work. So work has got to be one of the prime forums for advancing the seventh power and awakening the seventh power that dwells within us all. I love it. I would love to get into the genesis of the book, The Seventh Power. Um, now, since we're talking about it, what was... I know we've talked a little bit about some of the inspiration, but what specifically drove you to write this particular book and why was now the right time to do it? Yeah, well, I saw, um, so I went through a personal transformation with my voice. I then saw the possibilities of using the limits of my voice to strengthen the voices of others. I then, because I'm not, say, just a writer or a professor, I was actually running a company. I had a real chance to test this across a company with 550 people who work there. And we've been, we've been at that for a decade now. And our performance went off the charts. I only tell this statistic to support the power focusing on the individual. But we ended up, Joe, uh, earning more money from 2010 to 2020 than we did from 1848 to 2009. And, And more importantly to me, that was an outcome. Our engagement rates now are close to 90%. So nationally, about a third of U.S. workers will describe their experience as engaging. At Hancock Lumber today, it's close to 9 in 10, so almost triple the national average. So we did not set out to improve our corporate performance, as funny as that sounds, we set out to improve the employee experience for its own sake, but with the belief that it would, as an outcome, dramatically improve the performance of the company. And the other thing that that I want to mention right along with that, uh, and you touched on it as well, is when you give everybody a voice some people will worry that, well, does that mean chaos and a lack of discipline and a lack of systems and a lack of uh, focus? And what we found is just the opposite. When people have a voice in their processes, they are much more willing to share responsibility for owning the outcome. So in the process of giving everybody a voice, we got much more accurate, much more disciplined, much more safe, much more productive, much more efficient. It brought everybody together 
and everybody really is willing to own the um, approach that companies taking and take responsibility for making sure that the company performs at a high level. And it almost takes care of itself. Like I right. joke now, when I come to work, I am not kidding you, Joe, I can barely find anything to do. I can barely <laughs> find anything to do. The phone doesn't ring. I don't get that many emails. And all I really do is go around the company and try to keep up yeah. with the magic that's playing itself out. And it's so simple when you think about it. We have 550 people. Let's say the executive team is six people. Which company would, would do better? One led by 550 or one led by sex and which company would be more socially valuable it's just um having done it it's just an absolute no-brainer on so many levels and i felt like i was given a bit of a gift actually with my voice condition and that having seen how this worked i owed it to try to pay it forward or spread it and that's what inspired me to write the book I love it. I absolutely love it. I think, you know, if we're thinking about how maybe the next wave of working, because, you know, I, this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of folks recently has been, you know, we're not, we're, we're not capable. And I don't mean this in a, in a negative or a, or a somber tone. Um, but we're not capable of a society of going back to the way things were because we've already shown that we can work better in a different way. And I think we are, we were forced to adapt in a lot of ways were short-term measures, but I think we're finding more viable longer-term solutions as a result of these, uh, of the, of COVID-19 and everything. And so I'm curious kind of what your thoughts are for companies to implement this type of process moving forward, I'll give it, I'll give an example. So we'll take, um, um, take my group as an example in that, um, my particular group typically was, um, not hiring anybody that would be working remote. Everybody was in the office. Maybe you had one or two days a week that you could work from home, but primarily everybody's coming in the office Monday through Friday, night five, all that kind of stuff. Um, rare occasions would someone be working out of another city, let alone another state and working full-time remote. Um, obviously that changed in that everybody's working full-time remote now is a company mandate. It's a world mandate, um, or country mandate, but, um, I say that with tongue in cheek, but, um, but we've had, I've lost count of the number of people we've hired since March that are full-time remote in other parts of the country. And it was because they recognized, hey, everybody can do it. And in fact, we are limiting our talent pool by saying we're only going to hire in this particular part of the country be for them to come into the office. So now it's a, hey, let's expand the talent pool. Let's expand the talent search and say, if you're the right person for the job, we don't care if you're in Houston, Chicago, LA, Seattle, you know, we just want you because you're the best person for the job. And so I think that's step one of like the next evolution, but I, and, but I would love to get your thoughts on how companies can implement, um, this type of leadership principles in the next phase of working. Yeah. I 
really like that story you just told Joe and those examples. So obviously with the virus, we've got short-term significant health concerns. But looking past that, you can see you can see the opportunities to live and work differently. And essentially what is happening to your point is we're thinking much more broadly and flexibly about having letting people work on their own terms where they're comfortable, when they're comfortable, how they're comfortable. There's a much broader bandwidth there than we might have thought. Less rigidity. You come to this site, you sit in this cube, you blah, 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 right? We're really <laughs> yeah. blowing blowing that up. And the other thing we're blowing up um, is the movement. Think about all the wasted movement in that old model of getting to and from a desk with a with a computer <laughs> where you've already got one with you, right. right? Or of going in and out of meetings and the travel. There was a lot of wasted energy. We at our company were moving a lot less. And I would say managing it functioning better. We've kind of cleared the clutter. And everyone's just focusing on the core work, and everybody's got more flexibility and more autonomy to go at that work in a way that um, is efficient and productive for them. This really is a bit of um, the seventh power coming coming to life. Yeah. Definitely. I absolutely love it. Well, I know before we're um, going to transition to the last segment of the show, I wanted to ask you if there's one piece of advice um, that you would like to impart on our listeners about um, being able to fully realize their own uh, seventh power um, and enact that, uh, if I'm using that correctly, what is one last piece of advice you would like to leave them with? Yeah, it's a simple one but it's critical, can't be done without it. You've got to look in the right place to find your power. You've got to start looking inward. So this is a big challenge right now. You turn on the TV, you open your social media, you pick up the paper, you look around, and the world, the external world, feels very consuming and overwhelming. Yeah. And we've got to all have the ability to compartmentalize that, be aware, be compassionate, but we've got to look at ourselves within ourselves because that's where the seventh power uh, lives. It's you. It's within you. It's not out there. Right. I absolutely love that. 
Um, well, thank you so much, Kevin. We are going to transition to my favorite segment of the show, which is the dad joke of the week. It is a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out. Um, but I do always like to put my guest on the spot first. So, Kevin, do you have any dad jokes you would like to offer up first? <laughs> I wish I thought about that in advance. I am a, a proud dad of two 20-something young women, uh, and the joke was often on me, but I'll, I'll let you tell the joke tonight. Okay. Well, since uh, you are the CEO of a lumber company, I got some uh, lumber-themed uh, jokes for you here. Um, try not to groan too loudly. So, <clears throat> uh, Kevin... How did the lumberjack know his lumber delivery was incomplete? I don't know. He kept a log. He kept a log. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, all right, here we go. Oh, that's good. <laughs> for you. Thank you, thank you. Kevin, uh, can trees walk? No. Correct. They lumber. <laughs> uh, all right, I got one more. Last one, last one. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, Kevin, what do you call a pig that's a lumberjack? A pig that's a lumberjack. I don't know. Uh, well, you call him pork chop. Pork <laughs> chop. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Kevin, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way for them to do that is to go to my website, which is kevindhancock.com. My are available there along with a bunch of other resources and you can uh, communicate directly with me there. Perfect. And of course, as I said, we'll put the link to that in the show notes. Everybody can go and follow, purchase the book. It will change the way in which you approach, I think, your individual self and also the way in which you approach work. It's absolutely great. I highly recommend it. Go check it out. And then, uh, Kevin, we do need a hashtag for this episode. Should we go with hashtag the seventh power? Yes. All right. Love perfect. it. Well, Kevin, thank you again so much for coming on. It's been an absolute delight. Joe, it was my pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Listeners, we'll be back next week with another great episode. But until next time, hashtag the seventh power and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.